Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. We're in a season that's been called a crossover. I think it was back in December that God gave me, began giving me revelation that we're in a season of the 70s where Moses sent out or Moses called 70 elders to come up with him on the mountain to commune with God and to receive the law. And in the New Testament, Jesus took that to another level when he sent out not only his 12 disciples, but he sent out 70 others. He sent them out two by two. And um, can I have my phone? Where's my phone? And in the announcement this morning, as Minister Tim was sharing with us about the, um, the Growing Together Fund, I'm sorry, Sister Sharon was sharing with us the report of the Growing Together Fund. And our stretch goal was 185. Our actual was 127,711. That's a difference of $57,289. I'm one that likes to exceed goals. Let me talk to this side over here. I'm one that likes to exceed goals. Why set a goal if you plan to fall short of it? Why, I, do, does anybody else believe that we can exceed the goals in our lives? Can we just break off the limitations? It starts with a mindset shift. We got to stop believing the lie of who we were told we were or who we think we should be. It's a $57,289 gap that we did not accomplish because of a mindset, because of a stronghold. Maybe some didn't believe, I, I can't, I can't, not right now, uh-uh. When I look at what I got, no, I can't. It's a mindset shift. We're in a new season. We're in a new season. The message at the end of the message is, is really going to bring us back to this issue of finances. It's not all of the whole message is not about finances, but we've, we've been focusing on finding freedom. How many of you want to find financial freedom? Whew. 
Hallelujah. Let me do this. I'm going to alter the message a little bit this morning. The devil is scared right now. He's scared of the body of Christ at Park Lawn Assembly. He's scared because we've got a glimpse of a promise that God gave us. Israel had a glimpse of the promised land. As we heard last week, Pharaoh didn't want to let him go. And he offered them several compromises so that they would live a, a good enough life, just enough life. But each time Moses says, no, we're going to worship God. We're not planning to come back. So the enemy is plotting to hinder and to destroy the great work that God is doing in the body of Christ to those who have ears to hear and whose eyes are open. He's scared. And he's already strategizing and plotting. How can he strip the church of its identity? How can he... See, God, God will... The devil cannot curse what God has already blessed, but God will fight against that which is not aligned up with his word and his will. He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So if the enemy can cause us to shift and turn our hearts away from God, we're blaming him, but it's really us. These are days in which we are similar in the relationship to Elijah and Elisha. I'm going to be talking about Elisha in just a moment, but we're in that same type of shift. There was a transference that was occurring between Elijah and Elijah. Y'all know the story. If you don't, you need to get in your Bibles this year. Elijah, the prophet of God, was getting ready to be called up into the heavens, but before God took him up, he, he told him, I want you to appoint a successor, Elisha. And he laid the mantle on Elisha, and, which was a symbol of the call of God upon his life. And Elisha then had to make a choice. Was he going to stay in the place of comfort and familiarity? The background of, of the place where the younger protege was is that his father was wealthy. The reason we know this is that he was plowing with a bunch of oxen. And oxen are just like having Rolls Royces back in that day today. But when the prophet Elijah, the older man of God, came and put the mantle on him, the Bible says that the younger Elisha, he sacrificed his oxen. He bore the flesh. He threw a party for all of his friends. He burnt the, the yoke that he, that he drove them with, which was a symbol that, hey, I'm not coming back to this. There's a greater mantle and a greater call upon my life. He was representing that season of the 70 that we are in something new right now. It's not just a new year, but we've stepped into something new. You didn't just step out of 2018. You stepped into something new. These are the days of Elijah. And, and the Elijah, before he went up, the spirit and the mantle that was upon him, God didn't intend for him to take that power and glory with him. He intended for him to leave it with the succeeding generation. There was a description of Elijah in uh, 2 Kings chapter 1 when the king, 2 Kings chapter 1 verse 5, there was, there were uh, the king who was, uh, I think his name was Azariah, he sent messengers to a, uh, a false prophet to inquire of the god Beelzebub, which is the devil, 
to inquire about his, his status of his kingdom and the status of his health. And the prophet Elijah stopped the messengers, intercepted them on their way, and, and sent a rebuke message back to the king and said, is it, is it because there's not a God in Israel and not a prophet in Israel that you have made alliances and, and sent your messengers to find out from Beelzebub whether or not you're going to live or not? And the messengers came back and the king said, why are you back so soon? They said, well, we ran into this man of God and this is what he told us to tell you. And he said, describe the man. And they described him and Elijah was, was dressed in a camel hair coat with a leather belt around his waist. That is the same type of dress and the same type of spirit that John the Baptist came with as a forerunner of Jesus Christ. So there is a, a, a transference, there is a succession that as Elijah was a forerunner for Elisha, so was John the Baptist preparing a way for Jesus Christ. In 2 Kings chapter 2, before Elijah went up to the heavens, he tested Elisha three times to see if he would be faithful and worthy with the mantle that God was going to place, place upon him. Because God doesn't want the oil to be wasted. He doesn't want it to be just spilled out. He wants it to be poured out and to be used. And, and with each test, Elisha passed and, and refused to leave the side of Elijah. In verse 9, the New King James Version says when they had crossed over. So there's a crossing over that, that occurred. They crossed over the Jordan River. When they got to the other side, Elijah said, ask what I shall do. And Elisha, the younger protege, said, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want, I want the inheritance of a firstborn son. Firstborn children had the right of receiving the financial wealth of their father. And if you didn't have any sons, there were daughters who were bold enough to say, hey, I'm in line. I want that too. And so Elisha was asking Elijah for the, the glory that was upon his life. And you know what? Elijah, the older prophet, demonstrates the true spirit of a father that we are called to be positioned in generosity. It's, it's the, the wise man who lays up an inheritance for his children. And so Elijah, Elijah was not, he was not a stingy man of God. He was not a stingy father and said, no, I'm going to take this anointing with me to heaven. No, he was glad that his spiritual son wanted to receive the inheritance. He wanted him to receive his portion of a, of a son. One of my personal mission statements is to live full and die empty. I tell people all the time, you better get what I got while, I, while I'm here, because once I'm gone, it's gone. <laughs> so this bold request was met with delight. Elisha, the younger protege, was really saying, what God is calling me to do in this next season is going to take more than what you had. I need what you got and what the Holy Spirit has for me as well. I need a double portion of your spirit in order to fulfill the greater mandate upon my life. And in just at that moment, the chariots from heaven came and swooped Elijah up in a whirlwind of fire. And he dropped his mantle. And Elisha, the younger protege, cried out, my father, my father. 
the chariots of God and the horsemen thereof. And then he picked up the mantle of his spiritual father and he struck the waters of the Jordan River and said, where is the God of my father Elijah? And those same waters parted just like they had parted for his father Elijah when they crossed over. And Elisha went on to, to perform twice as many miracles as Elijah did, which was manifesting the double portion anointing. I'm saying to you all, church, that we have crossed over into a new season. This $57,289, listen, we got that in our pockets and our checkbooks right now. In 2 Kings chapter 5, I'm going to read this and I'm going to just go ahead and make this a two-part message because I'm going to go to the last part right now. But I'm going to read it all and then next week we'll come back and deal with the part I was going to share today. 2 Kings chapter 5 verses 1 through 14. Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram or Syria, which was the king of the Arameans. Naaman was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. My God, can I just stop right there and just, just let you all know that when we, we've crossed over into this new season, God has given us our voice back. He's given us influence in this community. He's given us influence in this city. We need to be like this serving girl. When you get your voice back, you understand the power of an if-only ministry. Did y'all catch that? She said, oh, if-only now, this, this commander was wealthy, he was powerful, uh, he had great success, but he was a leper. And there are many of us that we are, we are infatuated and we are enamored with the wealth of the rich and famous in our world and in our nation and in our city and in our community. And we desire to have what they have. But like Naaman, the scripture says, they're lepers. All the stuff that you would desire is happening on the outside, but on the inside there is an emptiness. There is a bankruptcy, there is a poverty of soul. And this young servant girl, she was not impressed. <laughs> she was not impressed. I can imagine Naaman coming home after a great victory and telling his wife about all the great stuff he had done. And she was just in the background just saying, huh. Oh, really? There's power in oh, really, y'all. Some of you all have been around your coworkers on the job. And they talk, because I used to work in the, in the secular world, and I know I used to talk about what they did on the, in the club and, you know, how many they slammed down and how high they got and how many, you know, boyfriends or girlfriends they had in that week. And you just need an if-only ministry. You need to just, huh, oh, Really? What you mean? What you mean? You don't, you think something wrong with that? 
Well, if only. Huh. And y'all big mamas had that ministry. Huh. Huh. All they had to do was just say, huh. You knew that something wasn't right. <laughs> oh, really? Uh-oh, I'm missing something. What is it, mama? If only. Yeah, you got high, but if only you had Jesus, you'd never come down from that high. Yeah, I know you just bought a new car and you got a, you got a five-car garage and you don't got no place for that one, but if only. This young girl had an if-only ministry. Verse 3, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria. She was talking about Elisha. He would cure him of his leprosy because with all of that stuff you got, you still got a, a, a condition that you can't deal with, that money cannot resolve for you. So get your voice back. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. The king said, by all means, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 sets of clothing, and the letter he took to the king. It read, with this letter, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. And as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. And when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had tore his robes, he sent this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him. Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. And your flesh shall be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, are they not better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and they said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to wash and be cleansed? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored. And he became clean like that of a young boy. I like another translation says that his flesh became new like a baby. Don't you just love the smell of a new clean, I'm talking about a clean baby, not one that's <laughs> with the diapers all full. I'm talking, you know, the baby that just got out of the bath and you put a little, that they've been washing in that Johnson baby wash and you put a little baby's oil on some baby, let me hold that baby. That skin is so soft and and, and tender, that's how Naaman's flesh was restored. Because he was willing to submit himself 
to the word of the prophet of God. Seven times, seven the number of completion, the number of the Lord. And he was doing it against his own will. It was every time he, the first time through the sixth time, I'm sure that those were breaking his will and tearing down the strongholds of his mind and, and, and literally breaking his heart. He didn't want to do it. He was angry. I mean, imagine the first time. Man, I'm wet. I don't want to be here. Now I got to do it. How many more? Seven times. By the time he got to the seventh, he was in total surrender. See, I might as well go all the way. I can't go back. I won't go back. And that's when his flesh was restored. We got to get to that place, y'all. That's why next week when we have water baptism... Some of you all just need to say, you know what, I'm not going back. I'm not turning back. I, I, though none go with me, I've decided to follow Jesus. I believe that there's a transference and there's a, there's a spiritual change that will occur in your life as well as a result of that. Hallelujah. So Naaman decided that he was going to go back to the prophet Elijah. And he was going to thank him for uh, what he had done in his life. Let me go ahead to where I'm going to take you all. He comes back to the house. And he says to the prophet Elijah. Y'all with me? Second Kings chapter 5. I'm just waiting on y'all to catch up now. <laughs> Say amen if you got it. Amen. All right, all right, all right. So he comes back to the prophet Elijah in verse 15. And he stood before him and he said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. Can I just stop right there? That's, that's a testimony of salvation. You get saved when you decide... That there is no other God worth, worthy of your life, worthy of your time, worthy of your talent, worthy of your treasure than the God of he who made heaven and earth. When you get to that place, that's a, that's a testimony of salvation. However you pray that, however you express that, however you demonstrate that, whether it's at an altar of a church or whether it's in your car or whether it's on your, on your living room floor, when you decide, listen, Every, everyone else, let all the other names fade away. Then you get saved. Naaman got saved. And secondly, when you get saved, your pocketbook, your checkbook, your Bitcoin account, your IRA, your 401k, your, your retirement, your house, your mortgage, all of that gets saved too. Because Naaman says, can I give you a gift when Zacchaeus met Jesus in Luke chapter 19 and he said, come down because I must dwell at your house. You remember Zacchaeus was short and he climbed up in a tree. Jesus went that way and said, come on down. I got to stay in your house tonight. And while he was in Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus stood up and repented and said, Lord, if I have robbed any man, I restore him sevenfold. And I give half of my goods to the poor. And Jesus marveled and said, truly salvation has come to this house today. See, when you get saved, you don't get stingy. You, get like, you become like God. You become liberal. You become generous. See, half of y'all still got that greedy spirit on you right now. You can't even rejoice 
God's trying to liberate you. So I want to I want to give you a gift. I don't want to take from you. I want to listen. When you get saved, you become like God. You become a giver. God so loved the world that he took. No, he gave. He gave his only begotten son. God's not a taker. He don't need nothing from you. He's a giver. And the, you can't be God giving. The more you give to him, he's like, oh, no, you're not going out be me giving. He's going to be creative in his generosity towards you. So the prophet answered in verse 16, as surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Mm. He refused. So let me jump down because I'll deal with some of this next week. So in verse 20, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, said to himself, my master was too easy on Naaman, this Aramean. He was too easy on him by not accepting from him what he had brought. Remember, he came with 6,000 pieces of silver, 10 shekels of, or 10 talents of gold, and 10 changes of clothing, y'all. I'm talking about Armani suits, $1,500 a piece, tailor-made, not three-piece suits, five-piece suits, matching shoes, matching hat, everything, 10 of them. And Gehazi said, no, he's too easy. He should have accepted something. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running towards him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right? He asked. Everything is all right, Gehazi answered. My master, he sent me to say that two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. Oh, by all means. <laughs> he says, take two talents. See, that's liberality. When you save, it's not, oh, that's all you want. You ask for one, you're going to get one. He said, no, you ask for one, here's two. Got anybody that's really saved? Got anybody that's really saved? God says, you know, just give me a tenth. Oh, that's all you want? Well, here's 20%. Here's an offering above that tithe. I feel that greedy spirit rising up. Some of y'all gritting your teeth right now. Some of y'all holding, your, holding, holding your, your, your pants leg right now. You feel like the Holy Ghost feel like your wallet going to jump out of your pants. And you're, you're, you're balling your fist up right now. You, you wish you had an armrest on your chair so you can grip it a little tighter. The Holy Spirit burn up there. Burn in their hearts right now, God. Burn that spirit of greed up. He urged Gehazi to accept them, and then he tied up the two talents of silver in two bags with the two sets of clothing, he gave them to two of his servants, and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. And when Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants, he put them away in the house, he sent the men away, and they left. When he went in and he stood before his master, Elisha, he asked him, where have you been, Gehazi? Oh, your servant didn't go anywhere, he answered. But Elisha said, was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time 
to take money or to accept clothes or olive groves and vineyards or flocks or herds or male and female servants. Listen, he didn't get olive groves and vineyards and flocks and herds and male and female servants, right? But Elisha was reading his mail of what was really in his heart. Even what he got wasn't enough. He had ambitions of all his other stuff. And so the Lord is revealing our hearts this morning, church. Through that stretch goal. He's revealing to us what's deep in our hearts. But you know what also? God is revealing to us what's in his heart. Because the word says that if you delight yourself in the Lord, that he will give you the desires of your heart. And so right now, you might just be at a two-talent and two-clothed income, but God says, I know you got more in your heart, and I want to give you that and so much more. But you got to seek first my kingdom and my righteousness so that I can open up the heavens. you got to bring the tithe into the storehouse. Then I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't have room to receive. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So it's not wrong to have those things in your heart, but you got to put Jesus on the throne of your heart. Let all the other names fade away. In verse 27, he said, name is leprosy. The leprosy that he got healed from, let it cling to you and to your descendants forever. Y'all don't realize that the spirit of greed doesn't just affect you, but it affects your children it affects your grandchildren. It affects big mama. It affects your generations. And the spirit of generosity in the same way brings about an abundant blessing, an open heaven, not just on, your, on you, but on all of those that are connected to you. And then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and his skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. You know, we got this, this saying... This saying today, some of y'all know it, secure the bag, chase the bag. Anybody ever heard that? Let me, let me just break that down for you all that are from the boomer and the buster generation, you know, that older generation. I'm from the boomer generation too, but what it means is you better get that money. You better get your hustle on, chase the bag, secure the bag, right? Make, make the money, hold the money, you know, get as much as you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. That's what it means, secure the bag. Secure the bag. Y'all remember Donna Summer? Yeah, Donna Summer, that, that gospel singer from the disco era. Donna Summers, she, she was uh, on tour once and she went into a, a diner and there was a, there was a young lady working in there hard for the money. And Donna Summers penned a song, she works hard for the money. So you better treat her right. Some of y'all working hard for the money. And Haggai said, the Lord declared, the gold is mine and the silver is mine. And if you don't honor God with what is his, you work hard for the money and then you put it in a bag and he says the bag has holes in it. 
So you walking around leaking money, leaking gold, leaking silver, working hard and still don't have anything to, as Big Mama says, show for it. <laughs> Chasing the bag. You should have listened to the prophets, the OJs. They said, for the love of money. People will beg, borrow, steal. For the love of money is what Timothy wrote before the OJs got the revelation. For the love of money in 1 Timothy 6, it is the root of all evil. And some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, don't chase the bag, flee from it. He says, flee from all this and pursue, if you're going to chase anything, chase righteousness, chase godliness, chase faith, chase love, chase endurance, chase gentleness. Then there was a prophet in the 90s from New York called Biggie. And he got a revelation about money. And he said, more money, more problems. The more money you make, the more problems you have. The more people trying to get in your pockets. The more money you make, the more people that you got to support. And there are many of you that have been taught to secure the bag. But God's got a revelation for you today. You better run from riches. You better run from high fashions. I thought about creating my own rap. Like Biggie. Some of y'all running after riches and fancy britches and pretty witches. Just like a Hazai, your heart is turned from God. You're trying to stack up a while. Well, y'all, come on with me, y'all. Come on with me now. Come on with me. I wish I had a beat. I wish I had a beat. You're chasing down wealth, the fast life, big, big fun. When God says you better run, when you run from it, it will chase after you. There's so many false prophets that are seeking profits and gain, just like 2 Peter 2 and 3 said in the last days. Instead of prophesying, they be prophesying. I'm gonna, somebody just record that. Where my scribes at? Because later on, I need, I'm going to need to drop that album. I'm going to drop that CD. Y'all going to see me on the, the Grammys or wherever. I don't know. But Gehazi got caught chasing the bag. And the bag came with leprosy. Not only for him, but for his generations. And the prophet, Eli the prophet Elijah, Elisha, I'm sorry. Elijah gave a double portion to his spiritual son, Elisha. Elisha had a servant named Gehazi. And instead of chasing after the mantle that was upon his spiritual father, Elisha, he chased after the bag. Can you imagine what he forfeited? It could have been a quadruple portion of the spirit of God from him generationally that went back to Elijah, but he pursued the bag instead. It's the spirit of greed. So Elisha said, is now the time? Is now the time to, to pursue riches? Is it, 
Is it time right now? Not saying that it's not going to come. But that's not up to you to determine the time and the season. What God has in store for you is for you. Is now the time for you to take shortcuts to get what's really in your heart? Is it time for you to to turn stones into bread as Jesus was tempted to by Satan in the wilderness? Jesus says, no, man shall live by bread alone. If God wants me to eat some bread, he'll, he'll, he'll give me some bread. But I'm not going to take a shortcut. Is now the time for you to, to cheat on your husband or cheat on your wife because you're not getting the pleasure that you desire or you think you deserve? Is now the time for you to stick your hand in the offering bag and take what you, what you think you deserve and you need? Is now the time for you to compromise your integrity For the recognition you think you deserve. Is now the time for you to run in this rat race? Because if you do, you'll pick up the leprosy of Naaman. In Acts chapter 5, there was this man named Ananias and Sapphira. His name, Ananias, means the Lord gives graciously. His name means generosity, y'all. But he was living a false life. His wife, Sapphira, is the the stone, the precious stone. Her name means something valuable as well. And they conspire to lie against, to lie to the Holy Spirit. To pretend that we're true Christians, that we're truly generous. Because Barnabas, the son of encouragement, had a piece of land because he heard there was a need in the church. He sold his land, sold his property, sold his property. How much is the the shortage? $52,287. Sold his property, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And the need was met in the church. Ananias and Sapphira saw the the glory and the recognition that Barnabas got and said, you know, we need some of that. So they had a piece of property. They sold it, but they kept back part of the money. The Walter Harvey translation is that they sold the property for $100,000. They reported on their taxes to the, or reported to the apostles, the land was sold for $65,000. And they were pocketing 35. Y'all, y'all remember how we used to cuff stuff? Used to just cuff it? Like, come on now. I know all of y'all ain't been saved all your life. You standing on the corner. Mom and daddy drive up. You just cuff it. You just. They was cuffing 35,000, y'all. I know I'm getting too ghetto for some of y'all. Like, what? cuff? What's that? Hold the bag? What's that? Boy, this church is really. I don't understand. This just. They just pocketed it. They held back. And they brought the 65,000, gave it to the apostle, and the Holy Spirit said to Peter, they lying. Their heart's not right. I'm going to reveal to you their heart. They sold it for 100,000. God knows your heart. You can't play with God. And Peter gave him a chance to repent. He says, 
Is this all the money that you got from your bill of sale? Oh, yes, it is. And Peter rebuked him. Why have you conspired to lie against the Holy Spirit? Because you are defaming the very nature of God. God is a generous God, and, and you, you are supposed to represent him. You, do you recognize the, the laughter that's going on in hell right now as you are being taken captive by the devil to do his will? In that moment, Ananias died. His wife came in three hours later. Probably had been to Macy's with half of that money. Because you can, come on ladies, all you, a good three hours, $35,000, you can do some damage. She probably came in with new shoes, new clothes, new perfume, diamond, a sapphire ring. Peter said, hey, heard you and your husband had some property that y'all sold. Did you, was the price, was it 65000 Oh yes, yes, we gave it all. He said, the same men that carried your husband out are coming in to carry you, and she died too. Trying to chase the bag, they both came away with leprosy. Judas is the same way. Sold Jesus for 40 pieces of silver. God wants to break that spirit of greed off of us. We're not called to be takers. It's, is it time for us to take? No, it's time for us to give. It's time for us to be generous. Ushers, get the offering bags. Is it time? To chase the bag? Do you want the leprosy of Naaman? In this moment, bow your heads. The Spirit of the Lord is moving in this place. He's revealing the hearts of His people. He's revealing why some of you all don't give. And it's not about money. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's because of the church you came from. Or maybe it's, maybe it's because of some interaction you had with some Christian folk and you decided, you know what? I'm never going to be free to give. I'm never going to. I'm, no, I'm, I don't trust him. I was hurt. Listen, the Lord is revealing to you that spirit of resentment, that spirit of bitterness. It doesn't have anything to do with finances. There's something else deep in your heart. And the Holy Ghost is revealing it right now. He's bringing it to the surface. The bottom line, you've been taken captive by the devil to do his will. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.